Insight, the Stripped Back Podcast. All about the what, the how, and the why tradespeople do what they do. Get first-hand knowledge and life stories from apprentices to the seasoned professionals. Hear the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of a tradesperson's life through unfiltered chat. Now on Insight, the Stripped Back Podcast. Welcome to episode six of Insight, the Stripped Back Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Buckley, and on this podcast, I want to shine a light on the trade industry and the people within it. On today's episode, I've got Dan from Rewired Agency coming on to share his journey and talk about the importance of administration within business. Administration is often seen as a necessary evil, something that has to be done but doesn't really contribute to the bottom line. But the truth is, administration is essential for any business to succeed, and without good administration, a business would quickly descend into chaos. I believe that administration is the backbone of any successful business. But before we get into that, let's get on to the next installment of The Overload. The Overload, featuring Keith Delahan. Welcome to this episode's installment of The Overload. This one is coming to you courtesy of our good friends over at Hager Ireland. They are the go-to specialists for electrical distribution solutions. Check out their wide range of innovative products at www.hager.ie. Right, Keith, we're back. How's your week been? Like every other week, Steve, busy and um, full of... um, problems and solutions i suppose so um yeah good week good week like look i try try not to complain as much, as best i can but you know we talk we're kind of talking daily now you kind of know what the crack is on my end and, and similar similar on your end like it's just a, it's a constant kind of battle battle yeah it's like battleground yeah so you're you know one day it'll be good and then the next day it'll be crap but that's just that's just the, the nature of the beast isn't it at the moment yeah i was able to split up my week this week with a bit of training as well i was doing a battery safety and testing course so that broke my week up a little bit i can probably go into that on another episode from what i learned on that today yeah well that's that, that was one thing i suppose i like i've been wanted to ask you is um like training courses like what training courses for likes of myself like so I, I haven't had time to kind of further my knowledge or you know do a bit more on the education side Um, like as you know we do solar so we're we're solar installers uh, registered and you know trained on that Um, but like what are other courses that you'd recommend um, for for myself, this is just a question for me to you, really, and obviously there'll be a lot of other people thinking the same. Like, yeah, like you know, I've gone on and done emergency lighting testing and commissioning, um. So that's a good one to have for a business like yourself to be able to broaden out and you know be able to offer the emergency lighting installations and then the follow up testing with that. So that will cover you for that one. I done mine through Techno Training in Dublin. I think they have a website and I think they're on Instagram as well. But they also offer another course that I done, which was a one day course, um, and that was a fire alarm 
testing course so it's not too in-depth you'll just be able to go out like and you'll be able to do you know quarterly and annual fire alarm testing they'll give you a bit of information on certain types of panels and how they work so that's another good one to have under your belt and what like that one sounds good to me like being the one day like so it's you know something you can put aside a day go and get that kind of credential or qualification to go in um because i get loads of calls about emergency lighting and it's one of those areas where i don't quite know if i'm yeah when, suitable when the, to do a job or not you know that kind of way the emergency lighting one was actually over a week so that's the full emergency yeah, lighting. so yeah. you're going through the whole lot with that like they'll go through all the so is that lighting. like install installs and the different yeah. um components and yeah pretty much like you know they'll go through the whole regulations with it regarding your emergency lighting um, you know the exit fittings where they're supposed to be placed you know heights and distances so, so that goes into design as well as yeah as well, you, you can add it you can do a bit extra and you can move into the design end of it and then so you can end up as a commissioner or a designer so it depends on how far you go with it um, so I finished out on the commissioning end of it I didn't go any further into the design um, but I do know a few people that were in the course that I was in did move on and go into the design aspect of it you know yeah so for, for the likes of me who just needs kind of you know to be able to search like for instance if i got called out to you know commercial premises that's already done yeah so with the emergency lighting you'll do the week that's, that's the week. get you a commissioning course get you and get then you. you can move on from that then into design but like what you said you can head out you can go out and you can you know do your quarterly and annual testing and yeah. um, they'll provide you with even um test sheets like to show you what a, a test sheet should look like they can give you templates um, and they'll pretty much go through everything with you about what you need to do from start to finish and testing and what to look out for as well when you're going in and assessing certain buildings you know so the design end of it comes up where you're actually going in and you know you're looking to maybe start a new build and actually go through the full design process and you're actually um, setting out where everything is supposed to be and you know pretty much the positions of everything like so i think like to, in order to get I suppose, that yeah there's a lot more responsibility yeah, on that, on that exactly 100 percent. the the one day fire alarm course is good because it literally just sticks to the one point of testing it goes through how to manipulate different panels because every panel is different mm -hmm. not one panel is the same so if you were to go into testing on a, a c-tech panel or you were to go testing on a menvier panel there's completely different setups to how to get into, say, your lone walk test mode if you're working on your own. So it's good to get in and, and you know, you can walk up to a fire alarm panel. And you, you know how to manipulate a panel to be able to at least get the sounders off. You acknowledge the fault and then it's up to yourself then if you're capable enough to go and find the fault and fix it. But at least if you're able to at least do that for the client and then get a subcontractor out that you know that is well capable, at least you can get them in after and you've got the client happy enough then that you're you're able to at least silence the, the sounders for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I mean yeah, that's as much as I've done. Like I like obviously when I left um after completing my apprenticeship I went on and done a programmable logic controller course. Okay. So that was a good one now. I haven't actually PLC for anyone yeah, that's yeah. gone through solace. And I think that's, you know, more based for people that are working in a factory setting. I didn't move into the that type of sector after I qualified. So it was wasted on me, but, you know, it, it, it is there. You kind of take the box and said, yeah. well, basically X the box and said, 
maybe that wasn't yeah, I done like it. the route you're gonna do. Like. Yeah, I done it, I completed it and you know, I just it's, it's another string to your ball really and you know the the technical aspect of it is good to to have there because even if you don't use it in your normal, you know, working day, the technical aspect aspect of it will stick with you, you know? Yeah. But um yeah, um, you know, other than that I think the fire alarms, the emergency lighting, the PLCs is pretty much as far as I've gone with sort of upskilling so far. Yeah, um this sounds like I'm grilling you with a heap of questions now. Well, I'm happy. But, but I, I I have uh it's not a predicament but it might be in the future. Um and I know it was when I was you know, going through my apprenticeship and trying to figure out what what the future held. Um and I know you firsthand um kind of experience in it. But lads coming out of the 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 apprenticeship cycle and looking to emigrate or you know go to maybe Australia or Canada like um I never done it so I can't really you know I can't really comment like a lot of my lads would ask me what like what do you think should I do it or should I not do it and I'd never done it but you've kind of first hand experience of you know emigrating and trying to make it as an electrician over I think it was Australia you were you were in um what kind of like what 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 are your feelings towards that that subject well like I decided to leave Ireland back in 2011 mm. to try and find a new life down in Australia. It was I literally made the decision myself and my now wife Denise said to ourselves we're going to go and we're going to start again down there you know and you know at the time I think the whole of the world or at least Europe were emigrating during the big recession you know Yeah. and a lot of people were I don't know if they were conned out of their money, but they were definitely picked upon as easy targets to take your money, you know, get you your visa, get you over there, tell you how to go and get your Australian recognised trade certificate. But what we found was that when you landed, you were, you were just left with the paddles, you know. Yeah. And it was a different story altogether. And I think at the time that we arrived over there, there was... a. Uh, a bit of a black mark against the Irish because a lot of people were going over for the wrong reasons, you know. They were travelling over just for the holiday and they were using the recession as an excuse, yeah, you know. Extended holiday, like. Yeah, and, you know, the, the likes of myself was trying to go over and actually create a new life for myself. And I remember we were trying to look for places to stay. We, the hostels at the start, like, where our first point of call was Perth and we got straight into the hostel there, but... You know, you're going around looking for work and you're getting contracts that are, you know, jobs that could be three to four hours travel away every day. And this is a new country that you've just landed in, you know. And yeah. you're leaving your, your partner, you know what I mean, to go and look for jobs as well in a new country. On her own, yeah. On her own, you know. And you're looking for, you know, people that you might know that have gone over. And some of them were living, you know, eight to ten people in the one premises, you know. And it was just... It was it was crazy when we were over there and we didn't stick it out. And, you know, I don't regret it now. It was a choice. If I didn't make it, I would always be thinking, what if, you know? But yeah. in hindsight, the work is rampant here at the minute. And I'm hearing about a lot of people that, you know, oh, I'm going to go to Australia, you know, and I'm going to do a year to two years over there. And I'm thinking to myself, what, like... It was different when I did it. 
there was no work here. The yeah, work, yeah. the work is 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 blossoming here at the minute. You know what I mean. So why not take advantage of it while it is? You while, know? The go- while the going's good and there's opportunities there for people. Like, um, yeah, that was a, that was a question put to me by a couple of couple of people. Like, you know, mainly my apprentices and just kind of like I'm not the man to talk to about this. Like, cause yeah. on one hand, you, you like I knew about you and I kind of relayed that to them, but. You kind of don't want to be, you know, yeah. you know, pushing your ideas on on young lads. Like they can, they can do what they can do what they yeah. want. You know what I mean? And well, next week, episode seven, we have Glenn McNamara coming on, and he's currently working in the mines down there. And I've been watching his, you know, journey through Instagram and the stories that he's putting up. You know, and you know, if you find the right company, and you land on your feet, it can be luck. You know, and you could be one of the lucky ones, you know. But I'm also getting stories since I announced that Glenn's episode's coming on. I can get other stories from other people that are willing to obviously put in the voice notes that we now are running out that are going to give the opposite side to it, you know. So there's a Pro. fine line, you know. I mean, there's pros and cons to it, you know. Yeah, and who you know as well, I suppose. Like, if there's someone, you, you know, know a lot of lads that go over and do the groundworks and, you know, diesel mechanics and stuff like that like and you know there's a lot, a lot of lads over there Irish in good positions in within like you know huge organisations like so lads like you said there it's you know landing on your feet you know as soon as you touch down you've, you've got you've got something in place not you know I know what you were saying you, you were kind of sold the, the dream and like the package kind of we're going to sort you out when you get over here and I know you you had a horrible situation there where as soon as you just got there, you were just left on your left on your own in a like yeah. massive, strange new country, like you know. Yeah, there was there was no follow up <coughs> with the the company that we actually went through. You know, like you said, sold us the dream, told us that there was going to be support when we arrived. You know that they'd help you get a job when you arrived, and pretty much as soon as we landed, you were just left on your own. There was a. Uh, there was a lot of costs involved in it, and I'm getting that as well from a few people that have contacted me. You know, when you get over there, another thing you have to realise is that each section of Australia is a different regs. So if you're in Perth, or you're in, that which is Western Australia, you know, or you could be up in Darwin, or you could be down in Melbourne or over in Sydney. So that's like, you know, four different sides of Australia. Yeah. Each one of them has a different regs. So if you get your Australian recognised trade certificate, and this was like this at the time when I was over there, and that's 2011, I don't know if it's changed, and hopefully somebody can contact me through Instagram to correct me if I'm wrong, but if you get your Australian recognised trade certificate in Western Australia, but then you decide to move over the opposite side, there's a cost in order to get that transferred to, you know, uh, say, Northern Territories or... Yeah, so, yeah, you know. I get you, I get you. So, you know, that's in the one cost of it. You know what I mean? It's it's things like that that you have to take into account, you know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of people, to just you, by you saying that now, you, you might have turned the cogs in some of the lads' heads, like saying, geez, I really, I might need to do a bit more research yeah. on this, because they're 100%, like, I, I didn't even know that till you said that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, like, and I would have been looking down the same route as you mm. to go, like, we were, we were, like, I know you went away and we were like shortly after so we were really thinking about going um, and then just, just by chance work started to pick up here like you know yeah. and that's probably made your decision to come home as well because 
Yeah. You, you, like you don't you've done it worn a t shirt here, like it wasn't for the want of work, like especially with you and I know Denise the same, like Well myself and Denise, like my wife, like we, we looked at each other when we were over there and you know, we were constantly keeping in touch with what was happening back in Ireland. Like yeah. we weren't over there that long, like and I was still applying for jobs at home while I was over there. That's so I still had one foot in Ireland, I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um because when yeah. I arrived the I think the experience just after I landed, you know, made me not fully dive in and yeah. commit to it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember I was getting on the train over there. Denise was off looking for jobs. I was getting on a train and traveling, you know, 20 plus stops on a train to, to go and work on a site with a fella. And I just remembered by the time I was getting home in that evening, you know, and you know, you're trying to pay for the hostels were the same price as a, as a hotel when we were over there at the time. And we just were looking at each other saying, like, you know, surely this is not the dream that we were sold, you know? Yeah, and I, I remember, because I've, I've worked in a couple of companies with you, and, like, we, we'd we always get our work done to, to a good standard, and um, everything was light-hearted. But I do remember calling you one time when you were over there, and you were saying... Like the work, the work ethic is not the same, and yeah. the the sense of humor is just non-existent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think, and I don't want to talk anybody down because this was two thousand and eleven. Yeah. When I was over there, and I think it was a different ball game at that time because, like I said, the whole of Europe was over there. People were calling themselves electricians, and they weren't electricians. Yeah. People were getting jobs, and they were blagging them their way into jobs. You know. And when I looked at the quality of work that was being handed out over there, it was, and, and then being told that I had to actually get my qualifications recognized, that was like a, a shot to the heart, you know, because I was looking at the work that they were doing and I was saying, hold on a minute here. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. the crow flies with a lot of work over there and then you're, we're back here, you know, I mean, doing our work perfectly, nice and neat, like, and... They were just throwing stuff in over there at the time, but hopefully it's different now, you know, and obviously we can ask Glenn next week. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he'll shed a bit of light onto it. Um, yeah, well, hopefully, like, you know, I don't want to be deterring anybody from any life-changing decision that they want to make in their in their life, you know. So all I can do is give them my experience. You know, Glenn's going to give his experience. And, you know, if anybody wants to send in a voice note and give their one, all we can do is put the information out there and let people make the decision for themselves you know because i know in the news there is there's a big push on now at the moment like literally irish government crying out to get get our lads back you know working yeah. in the country and um i think they're trying to they're putting messages out there to see to literally contact those people like you know, obviously not every single one of them but like get a general contact to see what needs to change here um, to get them back like you know yeah. what what would what would entice them to come back like you know yeah well, I guess that's something that we can look into over the week and try and get people's uh, you know opinions on and then hopefully bring it up next yeah. time again you know yeah or maybe a couple of weeks maybe hopefully if it kicks yeah. off we might get somebody with a bit of uh, with a bit of pull on it to come on and, t- and maybe have a few words about it yeah yeah 100% um, so as you know like we rolled out the, the voice now feature this week for our listeners and Instagram followers. And we're just looking for them to get involved. So like we had some great interaction with it and you know, anybody that is looking to get involved, just head over to the podcast Instagram page. It's um, at insight underscore TSB podcast. 
and you can request a link from myself and I'll send you a voice note message and you can actually record your message, send it back to me and it'll automatically get onto the, the podcast suite for creating the, the podcast episode. And what myself and Keith will do is we'll review it if we think that it's a, a good enough discussion to keep, have. Yeah. Keep it clean. Yeah, keep it clean, obviously. <laughs> if it's a good enough discussion to have on the episode, we'll, we'll put it on there. We'll get in contact with you and if you want to come on and talk about it, We'll get you on the overload to talk about it, you know. Well, I know there's like a lot of lads that work with me, and I know even some of the lads on site, the chippies and stuff, are they're they're tuning in and you know saying you should talk about this, you should talk about that. But like you know, when someone says something to you, it kind of doesn't mightn't stick with you all the way. But like when it's in a voice now, it's something you can go back on and say, "Geez, that might be a great thing to talk about," or if something's happening out there at the moment, like. We'll, we'll jump on it and we'll talk about it and get everyone's kind of insight on it, do you know? Yeah, 100%. And I think like we got a really interesting one this week from James Carraher from Carraher Electrical. And it really raises the importance of using reliable gear when completing an installation. So I guess we'll link in now and let us hear James's voice note. Hi Stephen, Jay here from Carrer Electrical. One item I'd like you to bring up and maybe have a chat about on the podcast is the failures of so many um, of a certain brand of RCBO. Um, obviously brand won't be mentioned, um, but in more so in EV chargers and showers at the moment. Um, the amount that we change out on a continued basis is outrageous. Yet when we install the likes of a Hague or RCBO, there doesn't ever seem to be an issue. Um, I'd like to think what any I'd like to hear what any other Rex views on this are, or is anyone else have the same experience? And I'm delighted to say that we've got James joining us to have a more in-depth discussion about his voice now. James, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thanks, lads. Thanks for having me. Um, before we start, I'd just like to say, listen, I've uh, well done on the podcast so far. I've really enjoyed listening to it. And um, I actually think it's something the industry needs and continue to do much as they're doing. You're doing a great job. No, 100%. And look, it's, it's people like yourselves now getting involved with it that makes it work. So um, I guess on that, you know, for anybody that doesn't know who you are, if you'd like to just um, let people know about yourself and your business. Hi, I'm James from Car Electrical. Um, yeah, we're a family-run uh, small electrical contractors, South County, Dublin. I have six employees, including myself, my dad, one of my cousins, and my partner, who looks after the kind of invoicing and the, the diary for us. And um, We work mainly kind of domestic and commercial, a little bit of property management um, work as well. Um, that's Yeah, we work kind of, we try and keep our work to the high standard, and we have a good level of uh, return customers, uh, for ourselves because of this i think well, I, I think um just talking about return customers pretty much leads us back to your voice note that you put in there and i think it brings back the the question about how important it is for wrecks like yourself and yourself key as well yeah. and how important it is to be using reliable products on jobs you know um what do you feel about the the elephant in the room is obviously a product that seems to be failing at the minute for a lot of wrecks out there. And 
Um, you know, I'm getting a lot of feedback from it, and I've got a lot of feedback from Keith as well regarding certain, you know, jobs that they've been called out to where they're having to constantly repa- replace this unit, you know. Um, if you'd like to give a bit of, you know, hands-on information from yourself about what is actually happening out there in the field. Yeah, look, it's, it seems it is obviously the elephant in the room, but um, there's a lot of people, a lot of calls coming in for people with EV chargers, showers, all tripping constantly. Um, they're working for a while and then they start filing um, kind of within six months to a year. Um, like, I get the phone call now and we nearly know the fault before we get there. Like, you know, I have a constant supply of kind of Hager or CBOs in the fuse board box that we have in the van because we know it's just going to be kind of in, change it and out, you know, so. Yeah, like, um, like when we were talking earlier on, we were, we were, we were both kind of mentioning that we'd done work for kind of, we were subcontracting for other companies where they've, they've got, um, you know, stock loads of this particular RCBO uh, that they're pushing out for the likes for me anyway, uh, the likes of solar and um, the EV chargers. But uh, uh, you kind of agreed with me earlier on that we were kind of carrying a, a box of alternative RCBOs for the jobs because knowing that we're going to be called back out to to re to redo them, you know what I mean? And basically, nearly at our own expense most of the time because it's it's very hard to. You know, pinpoint who's who's going to foot the bill for it. You know, and obviously, we're trying to save face and not, um, you know, because the book always stops with us, like in in terms of us being the electrician on site, like. Yeah, um, well, as you know yourself, key callbacks are a nightmare. You know, it leaves a bad taste with the customer, and then, like, yeah, we can bring a faulty, or to be all back to a wholesaler and get a new one. But no one can replace the time that you've wasted going off to get one, come back and replace it, you know. And, yeah. you know, the customer thinks it's your fault when it's actually not. It's it's just a product that's gone in that, you know, obviously if you are subcontracted in, you didn't supply, it was there for you at the time, you know. Yeah, and you probably found as well that you, you kind of go back, you know what it is, and like you're trying to explain to the customer what it is. You're nearly gone into <laughs> like full uh, solace edge. Tutor mode where you're explaining what what the hell a, an RCBO is and what it does and and like they they kind of get the they nearly get an idea that they think that there's something wrong with the with the install when it's perfectly okay you know that's that that'll be my biggest thing with it like you know like yeah. you know going out it's costing us money which is a which is an absolute pain but going out and then with, you're nearly with your tails in your legs even though you know it's nothing that you've done like you know. Yeah. So I was on the young one a couple of weeks ago there and it was the woman had a she had two car chargers fitted and she rang me up and they were about tripping. I was like, geez, that's kind of unusual. Went up and there was two that's the, that brand of RCO in the field board changed them both out, out to Hager and haven't had a problem since, you know. There's both working away fine. So yeah, yeah, like and like I know obviously the, the industry standard now is nearly like your your type A. Or, or CBOs for any of those things that might have a bit of DC leakage in it, like you know, to allow for that. But like, as you said there, like you've you've actually proved the the point there by putting in like a superior brand. Well, in my opinion, a superior brand, and 
obviously you've walked away from it there and you and you have peace of mind there that nothing's going to happen. Bar, bar it's an actual fault, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. if James, it, I don't know if you'd agree on this, but I don't know if you've had many dealings with, say, the likes of Hager or something where if they got a, a sniff of, you know, something coming back from um, Rex that, you know, one of their products needs a, a bit of adjustment or something that they're straight on it. They they'll adjust it. They'll they'll make it right straight away. Where this seems to be just a, an ongoing issue with this other product, and it doesn't doesn't seem to be getting resolved. So there, there's something missing there with the the product testing end of things, where it's, they're just not getting it right. You know. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Because like even that, I think a few, a few Rex have brought it to Hager's attention about the the single the single polar SVOs about the the neutral not being long enough, do you know? And yeah, like they, yeah. they, they went back straight away and not they didn't just extend the neutral cable that was on it, they went back and I think they've, they've uh, redesigned the whole product, fully tested it before they put it out on the market. I mean, so they're listening to what we want and they're delivering for us, do you know? So I, I think that's that's a big a big thing, you know, in the industry that people are, that there is a brand that are listening to us and are giving us what we want and, you know, making life easier for everybody then. James, if, if you're um, heading out to price a job and, you know, say you're working for a, a solar install company where they're providing the products to you, how do you go about, you know, telling them that you don't want to use a certain type of product because you believe more in another one that might maybe bring up the price slightly but you know that it's definitely going to be a bit more reputable and you can walk away at the end of the job knowing that you can go to sleep because, you know, there's not going to be any issues on that install, you know? Yeah, well, still, I, I tell it to them and if they don't want to do it, I will kind of take the hit on it on my own cost because, as I said, like, I mean, there's, you don't want callbacks and if there is a problem with it, it's going to be, well, they're going to say, well, you did that for us. Can you go back and have a look at it? So, um, I mean, if it is... A, a cost thing of we have to foot it. I, I'd rather foot it and know that I'm walking away and leaving the install in the state that I'm happy with and I can kind of go, right, we can sign off on that and there's going to be no issues as opposed to going off and kind of knowing in my own heart and soul that we could be getting a call back within the year here where there's going to be something tripping or something's not right, you know? Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with that one. Um, and then... I suppose me and yourself, Stephen, we were having a chat earlier on <clears throat> about that. Like where like who who is actually picking picking the, the, the brand or like like I know one of my fellas this morning went in, like we're predominantly fitting Hager and like he went in, he had his list and he, he ordered um he, he was ordering the RCBOs to fill out a board and um I, I look back on our trade for like the, the fully qualified lad did the did the barber look back in the, the trade for and don't you know it was mixed match as in it was a Hager board but this particular brand was given to the the apprentice so like me and Stephen were talking earlier on James I don't know if you notice it if you go in and just ask like say you went in and asked for 20 amp or CBO A type do you find that you're not given the choice and that it's just this brand is just actually handed out to you we're wondering is it something like a little bit deeper than just you know, yeah, they're, they're pushing, yeah. they're, they're, there's some they're sort pushing. of deal done with the, the wholesalers where they're pushing a certain product. I, I, I know, yeah. gener- generically, like when I ask for something, if I, we, we work out of N2 and Ashburn, and okay. when I order, RC, like when I go in personally and order them RCBOs, they're given to me in Hager because they know. 
But if yeah. I went into another place, I'm not given the choice. They just hand, they won't hand out Hager generically, like well, for I some think, reason. I think from a lot of the stuff now that's been posted yeah. on Instagram, I, I think they'll well know that James is a Hager man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that, like that. My, like, all you kind of use would go in between two holes like this, and one of them actually only kind of step, stocks Hager, and um, the other yeah. lads know that I won't take that else, Like you know, um. And like that, sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes they don't have the full stock of Hager. Um, or you're kind of mean, but I, as I said, I have a box now kept in the van the whole time of just backup or CBLs because just so you don't run short, you know. But uh, now, like, with, lucky for me that they know that I'll only kind of use the one type. Um, well, I think you, you can even tell the difference on Instagram, James, you know, where. Yeah. I think the likes of yourself there being involved with the, the Hager and Starter of the Year competition. And, oh, you that's know, a footy subject, don't mention that. <laughs> oh, no, no, but look, everybody's proud to put up their work and show yeah, that they're exactly. actually installing the Hager gear, you know, and I don't think you see that with many other products, you know what I mean? I think there's a there's definitely a, a difference there in, in um, you know, people wanting to actually promote that they're using that product, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's great. It's great for the lads that can put up their stuff and be proud of it. It's also good. It's a great kind of technique from Hager that people are posting it, they're tagging them in it, and it's getting the, the word around for them as well, you know. But uh, lads wouldn't be using it, though, if they weren't happy with it. So, I mean, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I to- totally agree with that. Like. Um, I got a couple of um, Instagram questions come in um, today okay. after I put up the suggestion box. And uh, I was just wondering, would you be happy to answer a couple of them? Yeah, go on, far away. So uh, we got one in here from uh, one of the listeners saying, how would you go about expanding your client list in a local area? Um, I suppose that kind of the best way is when you get into a job, make sure you kind of do it to the highest standard, to regs, and um, people will recognise that and appreciate it. And I suppose then... They will recommend you to friends and family. Um, you can also go around and ask them to leave you kind of your your Google reviews and stuff like that for your business page. But um, I think the best way to do is leave a job in a, a state where people are happy and customers are happy with you. And I mean, word gets around quite quickly, you know. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Word of mouth is, you know, is is king in, in all of that. Like. You know yourself when you do you do a good job for Mary there, and then you know Mary's telling all her mates then when they when they meet up for a drink down the pub like ah oh, he was he was great and he was clean like a lot of things is, is is I always say to my lads I don't know if you're the same like <clears throat> I think we were talking about it last week like you could go in and do you know a ten grand job and. The, the only thing they might give out about was that the you know the, the carpet wasn't cleaned when you left or you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So that 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 lead, I think that lead kind of leads into what you're saying there, like leaving a, a job clean and you know oh, yeah. th- then expecting the word of mouth then after it, like you know. Yeah, exactly. Like like my dad, obviously, since I was a kid, I've been brought on to jobs with him, and that was always one of the biggest things was always leave the place cleaner than when you get there. Um, and that's the thing I pass down to the lads and yeah it, it does that's I mean they don't see what's in behind the walls after you're finished they only see the, the way you left their house and at the end of the day when you're going into someone's house it's their home it's not it's not a building site it's 
you know, if that's where they live, they're going to sleep there that night. So you want to leave the place like you, like you weren't even there, you know, for them. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the first lad I, I started out my time with as well, he would have been, you know, slapping you over the back of the head and saying, like, <laughs> would your mother have been happy with that? Like, you know, there's no way Mr. Delahan would have let you away with that, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you hoover the floor, but you don't hoover the skirtings and all this kind of stuff. Like, exactly, yeah. The only time, I, only time I've ever seen my dad with a hoover and his hand is on the job. <laughs> yeah, it's gas how it works. I'm the same here at home, I get. The cleanliness at home is not as much as it is in someone else's house. Like, you know? exactly, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. See a lot of, you see a lot of jokes on, on Instagram and these other sites, you know, about, you know, electricians are supposed to be the dirty trades people, you know. And I, I don't fully agree with that. Like, I think, like, anybody that has a bit of self-respect for their clients and obviously themselves as a company, like, they usually clean up after themselves and it's only the bad ones that don't you know yeah exactly um, we had another one there that you donate a lot to charities and how important do you feel it is to give back when you're doing well um yeah every year i try to do a little uh, uh kind of a give away a charity donation so i kind of leave it open to kind of customers and followers on instagram for them to kind of pick a couple of charities and then kind of between myself, uh, Victoria and the kids, we kind of pick a couple of charities um, every year. So like a little that we can give to people. I mean, if everyone did it, there'd be a lot to go around for people that need it at Christmas time. So yeah, you know, it's nice, nice, nice to give something back. Yeah, it's a nice touch. In fairness, it is, it really is. Um, I think we'll, we'll end uh, on one of the most important Instagram questions I got here, and it's... Uh, All right. Let's see. Who is your best apprentice? Who is my best apprentice? Um, that's a bit of a tough one. Well, at the moment, I've only got one with me on the tills. Um, it's probably him. It's probably him that wrote this in now, in fairness. Well, it probably was. If it's the same fella who brought me in uh, overnight oats this morning for me breakfast and then bought me lunch today, it might be a reason he uh, sent in that question. Was that from a certain Ben Kelly, was it? Uh, 100%. You're, you're spot like, on. Yeah. Sounds like, he sounds like a keeper. Yeah. He, but he, that's, the that's the first time he's ever bought me out in that apprentice. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Usually when you go into the shop with the apprentices, they're, they're, they're flashing their eyelids at you, like, you know, at the coffee machine, like... Yeah. You buy me a cup of coffee, boss. Like, yeah. you know what I, mean? I think he was he was the first he was the first viewer on the the Instagram story that I put up announcing that you were coming on. So I think he got wind of it fairly early, you know. Oh uh, yeah, that's probably what it was. So. Sounds sound like a liquor. Why <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, <he> didn't say that? <laughs> no, he sounds like a good chap now. In fairness, yeah. listen, James. Um, I usually finish um, asking. Um, this question so I guess okay. you're our first guest on the overload so um, I ask each of our guests to put one song on a playlist for season one and I'm just wondering what your song of choice would be um, I'm going to go with a young uh, Dublin singer song called Kira Moran and it's songs called Follow Your Soul great I'll have to have a look at that one up now I've never heard of it but I guess that's what the playlist is all about. It's hearing new music. <laughs> we better not be going to have a hold this lad now. <laughs> <laughs> James, look, I, know. I appreciate you coming on um, 100%. I think uh, for the interaction that you've had with uh, the voice note feature and um, 
you know, I think that that's what's going to take this podcast forward. And I think the more people that get involved like that, like the more topics we can get out there and actually have a proper discussion about them, you know. Yeah, well, listen, thanks for having us and uh, good to chat to you as well. Yeah, no, I really appreciate having you on. And it's, it's, it's refreshing to have, you know, another a fellow rec on that um, has his own business. And I'd be interested in seeing what other things crop up with yourself in, in the future. And we'd have a chat. We might meet up down the road somewhere. I'll get I'll get Ben to bring us all out for a coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my lads will be tagging along as well. Let's pay for them. But... <laughs> right, perfect, James. Take it easy. Take care. Thanks, hey, James. Thanks. Right, that was great having a, another voice on the overload, giving their opinion. Yeah, and like I've known known about James for the last little while. We'd always see his vans on the road. Um, so it's nice to put a voice to the name or a voice to the van, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I've got Dan from Rewired Agency coming up now for an interview to tell me about his journey and to talk all things at administration regarding, you know, the, the trade industry. Yeah, and you were, you were saying that you're getting them on. I was, that's, I know for me that would be one of the, that would be like a brilliant topic to go through, like it. You know all the help you can get as a tradie like um you know and lads starting out like he'd be the type of person to be listening to and getting a few ideas from or even you know getting a product from him like you know yeah 100 percent. and uh i guess because we've had our first guest james on the overload we'll uh play him out to a song choice keep take it easy thanks steve i'll talk to you next time My guest today is not only a social media video creator, but he's the owner of Rewired Agency, a revolutionary administration support business for the trade industry. Welcome to the podcast, Dan McAdam. Dan, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and have a chat with me. Thank you very much for having me, mate. No, 100%. I think it's getting people like yourself on that's given this podcast a bit of traction, so... Um, I guess we'll just get straight into it with the first question and you know you seem to have a bit of a, an entrepreneurial flair and I was just wondering did you go to college when you left school um, to study anything that has helped you develop this attribute? Not that I'm aware of to be honest mate. Um, it, it, when you you know at the end of the day I think the only thing entrepreneurial about my education is that I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do and therefore tried a load of different things. I mean, it's almost quite funny, to be fair. Um, when I was in, I did go to university. My sister went to university. So when I was younger, I kind of thought that was the done thing. Um, and I actually wanted to study marine biology, would you believe? And the whole driving factor behind that was I was convinced I was going to end up working with one of the killer whales at SeaWorld. Um, when you kind of get down to the nitty gritty of it and you go to the open day, I actually got into Liverpool to do it and you realise that the chances of that happening are extraordinarily slim um, and you're probably going to end up in Blackpool somewhere studying the sand. 
um, you, you you soon kind of change your mind about that. And then from there, I took a year out. I was just doing bits and pieces. I went to Leeds Uni originally to do architectural technology. Again, have no idea how I ended up doing that. Hated it, probably because I can't really draw. Um, tried to change to events management. There was no places left. Ended up doing PR at Leeds Uni. And even halfway through that, mate, to be honest with you, I, I, I rang my mum and told her that I wanted to be a bar manager. Um, so the whole thing um, was really, you know, a great fun, great time, met some great people. Um, but my education, I don't think really lent itself to what I'm doing now. Maybe the only thing I would say is the group of people that I met in Leeds uh, was a group of lads and they'd all come from Liverpool and they'd all funnily enough come from um, the same private school and they were really top lads but they were their families were very very wealthy and um, I'd had you know up until that point very very humble kind of upbringing great childhood don't get me wrong but you know we, we didn't go on family holidays we didn't want for anything but we didn't want that much um, and and when, I, when I met these guys and, and they became such good friends and I'd, I'd visit and I, it was my first, I guess, taste of, you know, maybe fancy restaurants or, you know, maybe, maybe a nice looking car. Um, and, and one of them had a place in Spain and we used to go over, over there for three weeks at a time and, you know, pretend, well, I certainly was pretending to have money. Um, and, and I think that, to be honest, had a bit of a bearing on maybe the idea of being entrepreneurial, if you like, or possibly working for myself. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a kind of firm believer that it, it might be one of those things that you've either got or you haven't got. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, um, it's hard for a lot of people to figure out when they're leaving school, you know, what they're going to do with the rest of their life. And it's a, it's a very big decision. So, what was your first introduction into self-employment and how did you find the process of setting up the business? Right. Yeah. So this is an interesting one, to be fair, because I am um, incredibly risk averse. Um, and I know from the outside looking in, I'm, I may do a really good job of, of you know, convincing people that I'm not um, because, you know, on the face of it, it looks like we're expanding and, you know, kind of. I suppose, extending the office and, you know, I suppose everything from the outside looking in, it might not come across just how risk averse I am, but I, I am. I plan everything. I'm, you know, a huge advocate of kind of worst case scenario. Um, and then all you can do is, you know, you can have pleasant surprises along the way. That's the way I look at it. Um, but my entry into self-employment was so, so soft and so, so fortunate. Um, that I'm not entirely sure I ever would have ended up working for myself had it not been the way. Because what happened to me was I was actually in the hair industry, believe it or not. Um, and anybody who's seen me will know that I have, <laughs> I, I have no hair. I was actually selling shampoo. So I was a bold man selling shampoo, um, which is where I think I became quite a decent salesman. Because um, I, I guess, you know, if you can sell yeah. hair products with no hair, you, you're already probably, you know, halfway there, I guess. Um, and I was working for a big 
kind of, you know, international company. And one of my customers who owned a number of salons, he also owned like a, um, an online website. He actually approached me to um, work alongside him, self-employed, 50-50 on a company, um, to bring in a new hair care product from America. Um, now, that, that didn't pan out as we planned. Uh, we had a good go for a while, but it, it didn't work out uh, the way we'd hoped it would. Um, but as luck would have it, his brother-in-law had a really large electrical contracting firm and kind of LED wave hit. Um, we, we, we got a bit involved with his brother-in-law and um, we started selling LED lights into commercial premises. I know that's a bit of a kind of, you know, a, a 180. Um, but that was, to be honest, Paul, who, who was the guy that I was working with, he was like so entrepreneurial. He was, you know, always taking risks. He kind of just went for things. And I, and I watched from afar and I kind of, I think that rubbed off on me a lot. I think he was the one that taught me. He was the one that kind of exposed me to the, the thrill you can get when maybe, you know, you, you come up with an idea, you put some work in and you can create something from nothing. Um, and I still have an absolute, you know, kind of passion and desire for that to this day. Um, but in reality, he kind of really held my hand during those very early, very scary days and months and years. And after we'd worked together for about five years and I kind of branched off on my own um, for all the right reasons, I was almost kind of, it was like, it was like almost prepackaged for me, if that makes sense. Um, and it's something that I'll, I'll always remember him for, to be honest. He's still one of my very, very best friends to this day. And we see them all the time. Um, and I actually made a thing of thanking him a couple of years ago. I took him and his wife away for the weekend because that had such a huge impact on my journey. And, and if, if I'm honest, you know, you know, I suppose the, the masculine or the bravado thing to say would be, you know, I'd have done it anyway. But I look back and I know myself so well and I'm not entirely sure I would have took the leap without that safety net that he gave me. Yeah, I think it's um it's great to be able to look back and see somebody as a mentor or somebody that might have molded you in a certain way and to be able to stay in touch with them and obviously use them now as a soundboard is is a great thing to have, you know. Oh, and massively, yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, can you remember what the driving factor was behind you then pivoting and setting up your rewired agency business that you have now? Um, yeah, absolutely, mate. Crystal clear, to be honest. So I was selling um, LED lights into commercial premises and we were offering finance to get the deal over the line. And the whole kind of uh, business model was we'd, we'd go into a property, uh, we'd demonstrate the uh, monthly savings if they were to swap over to LED. And then we'd put a, um, a payment plan in place that, would effectively be paid off monthly but the whole idea behind it was the savings were greater than the repayments so the installation kind of took care of itself um and i was doing that for a couple of years with you know some good months some bad months some terrible months to be fair um 
And I, I kind of changed my business model where I, I decided what I needed to do was find contractors who already had a customer base and then sell them my product, if you like, you know, the, the assessment of the lights, the finance, uh, so on and so forth. And there's a really large electrical contracting company just down the road from where I live called Alpine Works. Um, and they, they, they've been really, really successful. They've got a beautiful office on a high street. I think they've won the ECA uh, contractor of the year a couple of times. Um, and I just kind of cold called. I just waltzed in. I got super lucky with the timing because the company owner just happened to be standing behind the receptionist. And it was one of them moments where you just instantly got on with somebody, you know, um, and I'm pretty sure uh, knowing him as well as I do now, a fella called John, um, you know, if, if we hadn't have had that spark, he'd have just sent me on my way. But what happened from that meeting was I went in there trying to sell him my products and he ended up telling me that he wanted to branch out into the domestic marketplace. Um, so he had this large commercial company and he wanted to almost like, emulate that kind of Pimlico plumbers thing, but with, you know, the, the, the finance and the capital that he had in place. So he approached me to set that up with him. And up until that point, I knew everything there was to know about lighting, but I didn't really know about, you know, the small power, the large power side of things. Um, and it was during um, that part of my life where not only did I get like the full education on the terminology and the industry and, and you know what does and doesn't work from an installation point of view, but I was effectively sitting in the office um, taking care of everything that our engineers weren't. So I was dealing with all the inquiries. I was building the quotes. I was sending the invoices. I was managing the emails. I was organizing the materials. And while I was doing it, or I should say the more I did it, I couldn't get the idea out of my head that it amazed me that nobody was offering this to independent electrical companies. Um, and I think I know why, because obviously my journey there was a little unusual. And, and in order to be able to offer this service, you need to know, you know, all the materials, all the lingo, all the terminologies. But I, I, it was almost like this, I had this just voice in my head saying that if this was packaged correctly and if this worked, surely the one-man bands of this world who are trying to be all things to all people, surely they, they would benefit from this type of service, you know, if you could get it right. And the, the pivotal moment, which is, um, I think, what you asked, was yeah. when I went to um, a pub with a friend of mine, you know, all the best ideas are uh, normally generated with a pint in front of you. Um, yeah. And and I kind of was speaking to Ross about this idea that I've got in my head. And he turned around to me and he said something which genuinely I still remember every day. He said, mate, I don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, it will probably save my marriage. And it really hit me at that moment how bad it can be to be a tradesman, to be trying to grow your business, to be efficient on the tools, doing the day job, and then attempting to spin 10, 20, 30 plates 
while you're meant to be, you know, maybe relaxing in your downtime, maybe chilling out. Um, and I walked away from that that drink knowing that at the very least I was going to give it a go. Um, and the following week, I kind of parted company with John at Alpine Works. Again, incredibly fortunate. It was uh, all on, on really good terms. And he's still, again, uh, a friend of mine. And uh, signed up Ross, who was the guy in the pub with me the week before. And um, I think it'd be fair to say me and him kind of worked it out. You know, we, we, we worked out how to do it and how to deliver it. Um, and that was nearly, yeah, that was just over seven, seven, eight years ago now. Yeah. Well, talking about working out and how to deliver things in a nutshell, can you explain what it's all about and what service does Rewired Agency provide for their clients? Yeah, I, I, you know, if you'd have asked me in the early days, Steve, I would have really struggled with this. Um, and I still haven't fully worked out how to explain it quickly and efficiently to this day. But I think a good place to start here is when I get asked by people other than tradesmen. So you might just, you know, meet a friend or a family member. If somebody asks me what I do, I always say the same thing. I say, you know how tradesmen are fabulous at what they do but they're not so good at the rest of it so picking up the telephone replying to emails sending you your quote getting you your invoice and everybody always agrees and laughs and understands where i'm coming from and then i say well we do that we take care of that now i think the big difference with us and any other that i'm aware of anyway uh, kind of virtual assistant is that not only do we do that but because we've all got a background in the electrical industry um, we're able to take full responsibility for those tasks um, and, and let me give you an example of what I mean by that there are a lot of call handling companies out there um, and what tends to happen when an electrician or a tradesman uses these virtual assistants is they become almost messengers. So a, a call will come in, customer might have a problem. The information will be taken down, the name, the address, the postcode, the email address. And then they will send that information over to the business owner to deal with at a more convenient time. And that has always surprised me. You know, I, I think that is marginally better than missing the call altogether, but not a great deal better. So what we try to do is we try to take full responsibility for that. So when that call comes in, not only can we advise the customer, but we know exactly how to direct the call. And then we can go ahead and schedule whatever it is into their diary, whether it be a quote visit, an hour's worth of investigation, booking in an EICR or what have you. So I think that really is kind of what we do. Um, and I'd also just like to say, and this is from experience, really, you know, if you can imagine I've been selling this service to electricians for nearly eight years now, what's very apparent to me is that I've never met a single electrician who isn't aware 
of how much of a problem this is, okay? So no one ever comes on the phone to me and says, I love the paperwork, mate. You know, I, I, I love the admin side of my business. They all know it's a pain in the ass. I think the problem is, or I should say the fear is, they don't think there's a safe pair of hands to give that problem to. And I like to think that's what we offer. Yeah, I think um, that pretty much leads into my next question then, because, you know, you're fairly astute um, explaining about how you can um, get your client list up and, you know, provide them with the information of what you can offer them. But there obviously has to be some hurdles and challenges involved in trying to convince these potential clients to outsource their administration. And how do you feel you can get over these um, challenges? Yeah, no, there is. And there's some common ones, uh, Steve, to be honest. Um, look, let's face it, you know, I don't meet many tradesmen that get into running their own business because they are business people. Um, nine times out of 10, the people that own their own businesses were the best electrician within another firm and got itchy feet because they were thinking to themselves, I could do this. I, I can, you know, why don't I just do this? And instead of you know, him paying me, I can take all the money, the, the margin on the materials, the, the full day rate, you know, this, that and the other. And there begins, I think, the start of the problem, because what you get is you get lots of company owners who don't tend to have a great deal of business acumen. Now, that's not a dig. That's just reality. Um, so from there, I think the main two concerns that I deal with, the main two objections when I'm trying to sign up a new customer are, first and foremost, I'm not going to be able to afford this. I, I again, you know, we have 150 clients and I've probably spoken to thousands of electricians over the years. I, most of them, if not all, are concerned that they're not going to be able to afford to pass this problem on to somebody else. Um, and they struggle a little bit with the idea of it's an investment rather than it's a cost. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, in itself, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a kind of like, I call it like a bit of protein shake mentality. You're either drinking the protein shake or you're not. There's no way of knowing if it's working because you're either doing it or you're not. You can't do one half of your body with the protein shake and the left-hand side of your body without and, and monitor the results. So, so the only way of finding out how effective it can be once you finally get over these kind of hurdles in your mind about outsourcing is to actually give it a go. Um, and, and what tends to happen is customers very, very quickly realize that because there's no longer a hole in the bucket, so because there's no longer three missed calls in a day that never get a call back, because there's no longer a delay in getting quotations back to people, so your conversion rate starts to go up, because the cash flow is improved so dramatically, because we're invoicing every day or every, every week. And because when people call in, they're speaking to somebody and we're converting that inquiry 
into an hour's worth of work or into um, a test and inspection or into a quote visit that turns into a rewire. What happens, you know, almost all of the time is this main objection of theirs, whereas, you know, can I afford this is actually flipped completely on its head. And the, the result of that is that they end up doing less, but actually earning more. Um, and what's really funny is, I think my, the longest I've ever spent trying to get a client to sign up is about three years. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't like falling over myself, ringing in me like every week, oh, you know, we're going to do this. But just one of those funny little kind of relationships where I kept getting told it isn't the right time. I'd maybe touch base with him or bump into him and I'd say, look, when are we going to do this? And he'd say, oh, not quite yet, mate, maybe in the new year. And three years kind of came and went. And then he signed up and within one week, he's on the phone to me saying, I wish I'd done this three years ago. And that is how quickly the impact is felt. And sometimes it's just about taking that leap of faith and giving new things a go. Because actually, that's quite often the only way you're ever going to work out what does and doesn't work for you and your business. I'd say that's the main objection, mate. And um, followed probably quite closely by um, a reluctancy to delegate these tasks. So I think there's a there's a common misconception in most tradesmen's minds. And, 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 I, and again, I totally understand why, because um, I'm guilty of this myself running a business. But they, they think, or I should say we think, that our customers only want to speak to us. And that is one of the most poisonous mindsets a company owner can ever have. Because you've only got a certain amount of hours in a day. And you've only got so much energy. And I always get the fact that, look, I'm so, so nervous about somebody else answering my phones. And my customers aren't going to like it when I don't answer and my customers are going to be, you know, asking where I am. And then actually you kind of have to burst their bubble and say, look, everything's going great. Your customers are really happy because everything's getting processed much more efficiently than it ever was before. Um, you're happier because you're not having to take these phone calls that let's face it, you were never answering anyway. And we're happy because we've got a good customer and we're moving forward and we're growing and we're developing what, what we're trying to do and what we're trying to change about the industry. So th those two things, without question, um, are numbers one and two in terms of the difficulty when it comes to signing a new customer up. Yeah, and, and you know, you spoke there about the, the positive impact that your clients have felt after signing up with yourself and act actually um, experiencing your services. And I think that lets me touch gently upon the mental health issue and we know it's a big issue within the trade industry. So do you feel that the service that your company provides relieves the added pressures and stress from your client's shoulders and allows them to concentrate on their physical work output? 100%. There is not a doubt in my mind. Um, I think probably the easiest way... I, I, about three years ago, took on a new customer. And a few weeks after he joined, I actually got a text message off his wife who'd asked him for my number. And it just said, thank you for giving me Ricky back. 
And that is like such a huge part of why I do what I do. Um, the, you know, signing people up and expanding the office and growing the company and blah, de, blah, de, blah. It's great. You know, don't get me wrong. I've been on the other side of the coin and it's, it's a lot better than not knowing if you're going to be able to pay your mortgage. But at the same time, I think the main reason I put so much energy into what we do, and I think the main reason the lads that work for me get so much recognition and kind of enjoyment of, out of what we do, because let's face it, we're doing paperwork for electricians, so it's not the most glamorous thing on paper, um, is that side of our offering. And it's funny because you can't really talk about it. It's not on the website, you know, and I tend to not touch on it if I'm signing somebody else up unless they bring it up like you just have. But in reality, tradesmen are drowning in their own responsibilities. And you take one example of that, you know, you, you, you get home, you've been to see three quotes, you know, you've got to do the quotes, but, you know, you, 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 have, your, you have your tea. You don't do the quotes. Week later, people are chasing you. Three's turned into nine quotes. The missus is saying, we never see you anymore. Is it worth it? You're having arguments with them. You're wondering if you're a good father or a good mother. And that there is the, is the kind of quicksand that I see so many tradesmen in. Now, I'm not saying we are, you know, the silver bullet. But what I'm saying is we can definitely ease the burden. And as soon as that burden is taken off the shoulders of the client, they can start putting a bit of structure back into not only their business, but their lives. And actually, sometimes that's where people have taken the wrong turn, in my, in, in, in my opinion. You know, we put so much weight on the fact that we have to make a success of this, that while we're doing that, <laughs> We forget to live, you know, we forget to be the dad, the mom, the, the husband, the boyfriend or whatever. Um, and and it's it's almost like a really nice byproduct of what we do, Steve, to be honest. I, I am incredibly passionate about it. And um, I, I, I really think that not enough is being done about it. I think I, I read last week it was that a tradesman is now five times more likely to die from suicide than they are from an accident in the workplace. Um, and that's a scary thing, you know, that's a scary thing. Yeah. I think it will it'll hit home with a lot of people that are listening and hopefully it is an eye opener that there is, you know, supports there for people that might feel that there's, there's no other option, you know, and I think, you know, in, in a little way, you know, the service that you're providing can, you know, work as an avenue for them to actually, you know, relieve some of that stress. So hopefully somebody listening to this today can, you know, even get in touch with yourself and have a chat with you maybe through Instagram and, and you know, go through maybe some options that might be available to them, you know. Oh, definitely, mate. And, and you know, it's one of them subjects where you've got to tread carefully because the very last thing I'd ever want is to use it as leverage, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not what it's about. Um, and anyone that follows my Instagram page will see that I'm forever trying to, you know, 
provide content, ideas, advice, and through no real financial gain. I, I, I am just genuinely interested in it. And I, and I see that it's a huge problem. And if, if I can make it in any way ever so slightly better, then I'll, I'll feel great about that. Um, but there's, there's no doubt, mate, you know, like I've, I've looked after clients for seven years. You know, I've got clients that, that were with me on year one who are still with me now. Um, and I used to look after personally those clients. So I was on the tools. I was the one answering the phones. Um, and going back to what we touched on about your customers don't actually have to speak to you. I still remember handing those guys over to members of staff and I was making such a big thing about it in my head. Like I was saying to them, look, mate, you know, the time's come and I know that you support me and you've always been there for me, but I, I need to start concentrating on the business and I'm going to pass you over to. And I'm making this mad hoo-ha about it. And at the end of it, they're just kind of like. Yeah, no problem, Dan. I knew this was coming. And and it's funny, you know, it, it, it was my version of me thinking that, you know, my customers only want to speak to me. But those guys who are still with me, you know, they are very good friends of mine now. Um, and, and it's not until you get to that point of a relationship that men tend to feel comfortable maybe opening up a little bit about what they are really going through. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think, um, like, sticking with the mental health topic, like, how important do you feel it is for a company to encourage a positive work-life balance and support even employee well-being? Hugely. It, it, it's, it's super important. Um, and it's probably even more important in, in our game than it is in others because it's male-dominated. And you know what it's like. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter how many videos we watch that say, you know, let's talk about it. I don't really. OK, we're a bit more open to it and there's not a stigma attached to it. Are we talking about it? N not really, in my opinion, to be honest. Um, and then if you if you take, you know, the average site mentality and the, the, the average kind of workspace for a tradesman, it's just surrounded by, you know, alphas. Even alphas that might not be alphas, it's just a, a front. You know, maybe, maybe the, the, the loudest, most confident guy on the site is quite often the one who's having the most issues. And it's a, it's a coping mechanism. But then you get the other people coming in, maybe the younger lads, and maybe they're struggling with something and they don't feel comfortable and they know they're going to have the piss taken out of them. Um, and I think it creates this melting pot whereby... Um, it, like I said, it, it, it's a poison that runs through the industry. Um, so, so I think if you're employing and, and, and the majority of your hires are male, which mine are, and I know most of the listeners will be too, I think you have to have one eye on that ball and you have to know your staff well enough to spot the signs. That's my biggest piece of advice, because I'm not saying that it's not a tightrope, you know, that as much as I know that this is an issue, I also think that everybody's gone super soft and people aren't looking after themselves. People aren't self-medicating. People aren't kind of going to the gym to maybe reduce their depression and anxiety. And, and if we're not careful, if we keep going so far down this road, people will talk themselves into it because it's becoming so the norm now that, you know, oh, I'm not doing that because I'm feeling anxious. 
I reckon of 100 people that say that, maybe maybe 50 of them, it's just a nice way to get out of something. So at no point am I saying this is easy because it's actually one of the most difficult things to monitor within a business. But there is nothing more important than your staff's health at the end of the day. And that isn't just physical. You know, you give them time off when they're not feeling well with flu. Um, and, and you've got to know them well enough to, to be able to, at the very least, be there to talk to them. And in my working environment, I'm, I'm very, very lucky. We're all quite a close-knit community. I've worked very, very hard on the culture. I think the lads, by and large, very much enjoy coming to work, and we do a lot of stuff socially together. And if you create that, I think you'll be able to spot it when you need to intervene. But that work-life balance, that keeping an eye on mental health, it's just another hat you have to wear as a business owner. Um, because sadly and unfortunately, you don't, you know, want to miss it. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to be too late if the absolute worst happened, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I was speaking before to um, Jack Dignan on episode two, and we were, you know, agreeing with each other that it's important for, you know, people within, you know, supervisor or management positions within companies to, to make sure that there's always somebody within the office that has some sort of mental health training, you know. So is that something that y you look to have within your office? I think, Steve, if I'm honest with you, I think I'm quite lucky when it comes to this. I'm, I'm always have been incredibly emotionally aware. Um, and I also suffer myself. You know, I get seriously anxious about certain scenarios. I can have incredibly bad weeks where I feel incredibly low. Um, so I know what I'm looking for, Steve, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and my version of that, you know, because we're, a, we're only like a nine man operation. It's not a big company by any stretch of the imagination. But my version of that is just keeping my eye out. You know, I, I make a thing to know my lads well. I want them to see me as a friend. You know, I'm not this tyrant running around with a whip. I don't think that gets anybody anywhere. Um, I, I, I adopt the strategy that, you know, if they respect me enough and I lead by example, they'll want to work for me because they respect me. But in creating that, you can really get to know people and you can let them know how open you are. You can let them know that you're there if ever they need to talk to you. And there isn't a lad sitting in that office who hasn't come to me with an issue. Um, and I like to think we've worked it out and sorted it out together. Um, funny yeah, example. Stephen, you know, I think, you know, cracking open a bottle of beer on a Friday with a couple of lads or, you know, having a game of pool with somebody, you know, and yeah. having a, an honest conversation with your employees, you know. And I notice you do do that on your, your Instagram. It really just opens up a forum for lads to be able to just chat to each other, you know. Definitely, mate. And you know what? When, when lads get married and have kids and, you know, start growing up, it, it is, you know, I see more often than not, you, you don't. You don't retain all of those friends who you might used to, you know, sit with and have a beer with because you're busy. You're busy being a dad. You're busy being a husband. You're busy, you know, on the house. And if you can create an environment where it's, you know, lads together. Yeah, we're working hard. Yeah, it's stressful. Yeah, we have the same problems every other business does. But if, if I can create something where the lads are thinking to myself, you know, this is this is also my social as well as, you know, my, my profession. And I think you're halfway there, really. Funny example of that, Steve, actually. I've got to tell you this just to give you an idea. This was a bit, it was a bit mental, to be fair, but I decided to do it because I could do it at the time. 
when there was only three of us in the office, one of my lads snapped his Achilles tendon. And he was going for a really, really bad time um, at, at, during that stage of his life. Um, he'd just broken up with his missus. They were, oh, it was a nightmare, to be fair. Um, anyway, he snapped his Achilles tendon and um, he spoke to me on the phone and he was, you know, I could really tell how gutted he was that he wasn't going to be able to work in the office. We're very fortunate that we can work from home because obviously we just need a headset and a, and a laptop and we're away. But I could tell how disappointed he was that he was going to be away from that, you know, that kind of culture. So I moved the office to his house. So me and Mike worked out of his house for three weeks because we could um, and it was easier. And I guess we both cared. And he still talks about that to this day. Um, and, and it's doing things like that because you're in the position or you're fortunate enough to be able to do things like that, that really, you know, give you, I suppose, an enormous amount of, uh, uh, it, it's a great feeling to be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's brilliant. I think that that's a great idea. Um, I think uh, uh, that's probably the first time I've ever heard anybody come up with an idea like that. So congratulations on that one. <laughs> um, you, <laughs> you just got to wait for somebody to snap their Achilles tendon now. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I've noticed um, that you regularly post uplifting and inspiring videos on your Instagram stories. And I'm just wondering what the motivation behind doing this is. And do you receive positive feedback from it? Motivation behind doing it, mate, is I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I, I really, really enjoy it. It is not in any way like a, a, a chore for me. I, I, and that, I, I guess I'm just lucky in, in that respect, you know, um, I, I, I don't mind talking in front of the camera, which I know is an absolute nightmare for 99% of people that I meet. Um, but I, I just thoroughly enjoy it and I get a lot out of it myself as well. Funnily enough, I think if you spoke to anyone who, who posts, you know, kind of uplifting motivational videos, you, you, you almost create this vortex where you don't want to be a hypocrite. So if I'm talking about, you know, getting up early and seizing the day, if I don't do it, <laughs> you almost feel like, well, what am I talking about here? I'm not even doing it myself, you know? Um, so that's like a nice little kind of side byproduct of it. But invariably, mate, you know, I do it. And I enjoy doing it. And when you first start doing it, you're desperate for the likes to start rolling in. You're desperate for the comments to start rolling in because they, I think they serve as, I suppose, recognition that people are receiving what you're doing and they're enjoying your content. Um, and, and to answer your question, people do. People do comment and it feels great and it's really nice to help. And it's great to know that, People are watching maybe our stuff and they're, they're benefiting from it. Um, but by and large, nowadays, you kind of get over that chase the chase the like, chase the heart. You, I'm, I'm just now kind of doing it because it feels right. Um, and as long as it does, I will continue. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, I entirely enjoy them, so keep them coming. Um, I like having it on in the van. I can listen to, you know, you, like you said, 
putting a bit of information out there into the ether and you can manifest anything for yourself and it might just you know spark something in somebody's day where they'll decide to do something differently so i think uh yeah just continue that i will do mate thank you very much and that's great when you get that little comment saying because of that i did this um puts a bit of spring in your step you know it's it's nice it's nice to know um so yeah definitely mate i will keep them coming don't worry <laughs> brilliant um what does the future hold for yourself and do you have any new ventures coming in the pipeline yeah, I mean, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always looking out for things, Steve. Uh, I I watched a video last week, which I re really resonated with me. It was a, a a guy and a girl talking, and the lady said to him, "If I asked you how many red cars you saw on your way to this meeting, could you tell me?" And he said, "No, <laughs> I know I saw a few, but I've got no idea how many." And then she said, "Well, if I'd have told you this morning on your way into the meeting," I'll give you 50 quid for every red car you see. Would you be able to tell me how many red cars you saw then? And he said, absolutely. And it all comes down to keeping your eye out for things. And I think a lot of opportunities pass people by because they're just not looking for them. Um, and I've always naturally looked for them. I, I, I get a real buzz out of it. I, I, you know, that, that idea in my head that kind of takes up my night and, I have a kind of really broken sleep because I'm mapping it out in my head. I'm really, really lucky that that's just kind of the way I'm wired. Um, so new, new things for me, or I should say potential new things for me. Um, funny enough, there is uh, talk of us potentially launching over in Ireland. And that will um, solve some of the logistical problems we have. Um, you know, the phone lines, the charges for the phones, maybe not knowing the area so well, um, even down to the accent, even though the accent isn't a deal breaker. Um, I do have customers in Northern Ireland and one of them has got an account manager who's from London. OK, yeah, we do get asked where we are a bit. But again, I go back to the fact it doesn't matter really where you're from. If you're delivering to the customer what they need professionally and politely, they will get over the fact that you don't sound like you're from down the road. But again, it helps if, if, if you speak um, like the locals, shall we say. So that's something that I'm seriously considering um, and, and looking into, uh, which is really, really exciting because it would obviously be the first time I've, I've done anything like that and branched out and, and expanded into another country, if you like. Um, and also I, anybody who follows my Instagram will have, will have seen this. I went to an event a couple of weeks ago and it's, it's really kind of inspired me to maybe put on some kind of event myself. Um, and I don't know what, how, where, when at the moment, but I'm giving it some serious thought. I've already had some conversations with people who might be able to get involved and the whole idea behind it really is to, you know, get tradesmen together, get tradesmen together, because <clears throat> for no other reason that we all acknowledge that running a business on your own when you're stuck in a van or on the job and you might not really have a great deal of communication with the other people within your organization, whether it be at the wholesaler in the morning when you're sorting the materials out or on the telephone because something's gone wrong and somebody's cut through a pipe. Um, that th we don't, it's a lonely place running a business. 
And, and that's amplified when you're running a trades business because I'm very lucky, yeah? Okay, it's a lonely place for me running my business because the book stops with me and I'm constantly having to make decisions. But I'm surrounded by lads in an office. I have that location um, that I can lean on. Whereas business owners who are tradesmen, they don't. Um, and we touched on the mental health side of things. And I think to get people together who are like-minded, who can share experiences and give advice to one another in itself you know if you remove the fact that there might be an event wrapped around that kind of magic in itself is is something that i think is needed and should be offered more shall we say but at the same time i'd, I'd love to you know maybe put something on that in time and in years to come could be something that people look forward to um, and something that people will travel to and it could end up being maybe, you know, a, a night over in a hotel and a two-day event and get some great speakers and, you know, get some kind of people in there to share their experiences and people will drive away from those things as I did a couple of weeks ago, just feeling inspired um, and, and feeling as though maybe it's not as lonely as you were convincing yourself it was. And I, I know a lot of people are doing great work locally with that, but I don't think there is an industry, I'm not going to say solution, because I don't think it's going to solve the problem, but there isn't an, a recognized industry event where people can go and enjoy it, learn from it, and be inspired by it. And that is something that I... I know when I'm onto something that I'm not going to let go because it's been in my head now for two weeks and it is just as potent as it was when I thought about it on my way home from that event. So they're, they're the two things really that I think in the coming months or years um, I'm going to be looking into, mate. Yeah, I think um, any excuse to get tradespeople together and, you know, albeit through a podcast or through social media or through an event like that, you know, is, it's, it's only a positive thing. So I look forward to seeing how they come to fruition in the future. Um, I've got a couple of suggestion questions in through Instagram yeah. and I was wondering if you'd be happy enough to answer a couple of them. Absolutely, mate. So one of them here, and I noticed that you were touching on it on one of your Instagram stories as well was what is your go-to job management software? Ah, yes. So um, we, we uh, are in a bit of a unique position where we use all the softwares and therefore naturally we'll have features within one that we like and maybe don't like so much in another. And I, I tend to stay out of this debate, if I'm honest. Um, I tend to take on a new customer. It's obviously important that their schedule is digitalized because if it isn't and it's still like a moleskin diary, then we don't know where they are and we can't help them manage their diary and we can't book work in for them. But as long as their diary is digitalized, then that's anything from Google Calendar all the way up to, you know, Simpro with all of its bells and whistles. Um, we we use it and we use it all day, every day. We, we understand it. We, we know what we like and we know what we don't like. I think depending on the size of your organization, you know, that that comes into play when you are deciding which software you're going to use. There are certain softwares that I think have been geared up and designed around the larger companies. Um, and I would say kind of Simpro, Comusoft, 
are two that spring to mind. And then down at that kind of, you know, one man band up to maybe maybe 10 engineers level, um, there are a lot of different softwares um, vying for space. And I have to say they all serve a purpose. They all tick the box. Okay, they're all, you know, very, very similar. That's effectively what these softwares do is they have your schedule and they layer over the top of that the ability to quote and invoice from the same place. You know, at, at an absolute base level, that's what they do. And then from there is all the, the automations and the systemizations that they offer. But if I had to choose, and I think it's because I enjoy using it in the office, it's incredibly user-friendly, it's incredibly clever, um, and it's it's backed by Apple. So there's no surprise that they're, you know, buying up all the best tech and sometimes leaving their competition in their dust. It's probably service, mate, to be honest with you, mate. Um, it's not a clear-cut favorite. I think Tradeify is also very, very good. I like Jobber. Uh, I like Powered Now. Um, but if, if, if I was forced to choose something, um, it would be service, mate. And funnily enough, after I did a little video on this and I said the only problem with it is that it doesn't work on Androids, one of my clients actually sent me a message saying that he is trialing um, the, the, I think they call it the beta version of ServiceMate for Android. So that is, I'm assuming, not going to be a problem for much longer. Um, so that's where I'm at with it, mate. But I, what I will say as a kind of umbrella statement, if anybody is out there and they're still using a paper diary and they're still using Word to send quotes off and then kind of, you know, shuffling through with a few invoices and not really having any control or visibility on it, please, please, please do yourself a huge favor and get yourself one of these softwares. It is a game changer. And that isn't get yourself one of these softwares and then let us work on it. It's just get yourself it. Even if you never become a client of mine, you will definitely thank me for it. Yeah, some great insight there. Um, next one was, when pricing for a client, do you take any of the financial risk? Yeah, I, <laughs> this is a, a good question. Uh, and I'm glad uh, they asked it. So interestingly, for my uh, customers who use our quotation service as it was designed to be used, we actually take all of the financial risk. Um, and ex I'll explain to you how that happens. So there are some terms and conditions to signing up. And one of those is that we um, build and send and follow up on all of your quotations. So you can't just give us the difficult ones. We do have a separate service for those people who want to do that, but I'm talking about the people who've signed up for it as it was meant to be sold. So as long as you are willing to let us build and send and follow up on all of your quotations, and allow me to very, very quickly explain how we do that. We use a voice recognition software, and effectively what you do is you go and look at the job, you take your notes, you jump in your van, and then while it's all fresh in your memory, and I'm always trying to drill this into my customers, before you put your keys in the ignition, open the app and leave us this voice note. And all we need from you is three pieces of information. We need a description of the work. We need the length of time it's going to take. And we need a, a basic list of materials. Um, none of those things need to be 
perfect because obviously it's what we do. And if we realize that you've missed, you know, I don't know, a gland pack, then we're probably going to realize that and we're probably going to put it in miscellaneous. So it's one of the beauties of working with us. But once you've done that, we then get busy and we build and send the quotation. Now, the interesting thing about this is how we charge. And to answer your question, do we take any of the financial risk? We then add a small percentage to the total cost of the job. And that percentage is between three and six percent. It's dependent on size of the project, the amount of work we've had to put in to get the quote to where it needs to be. And also little things like, you know, percentage of the quote that is materials, because sometimes you get these big lighting jobs and you've got 10 grand's worth of materials and only 500 quid labor. And it's only really taken us, you know, a very short period of time to put that quote together. So we're not going to wax 6% on that because it's a bit unfair. But what we do do, and this is what really surprises people, Steve, is I only charge against the quotes that are accepted. So if we build and send 10 quotes and six of them don't go over the line, I've lost all of that expertise, all of that effort and all that time. But on the four that do get over the line, your customer, unbeknown to them, have actually paid for that service. And um, that is one of the main reasons I think it's an incredibly popular service. Um, and that is one of the main reasons why I can say very confidently that we take all of the risks. Um, and um, it works, thank God. <laughs> it, it, it works. People's conversion rates go up. The customers love it. You know, we get a lot of the deals over the line having followed up after the quote's been sent, which is another thing I implore all your listeners to do if they're not already doing it, because it's amazing the percentage of quotations we get over the line with a little follow up call. Um, but that's how that works. If, on the other hand, you're not willing to let us do all of your quotes or certainly the vast majority of your quotes, we do offer a separate service where we charge you for the amount of time it takes to build the tender or, you know, assess the architectural's drawing and build a quotation. Um, in that case, you're taking the risk, um, but you're paying so you don't actually have to build it yourself. So you're kind of buying your time back with, with that type of service. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great bit of um, well-explained information there. And I think for the person that asked the question, I think that may work as a catalyst to, to get them on board, hopefully. <laughs> It um, might well do, mate. <laughs> um, look, for anybody that's looking to find out a bit more about you and your business, where can they find you? I think I just keep it simple, mate, with the Instagram thing. You know, that's how I met you. Um, I know that's where you do most of your promotion for the podcast. Um, I'm sure I'll be tagged uh, when this episode is aired. And um, yeah, just, just send me a message. Follow the page. If you're already following the page, just you know, send me a private message and, and we can go from there. Um, so that's probably the easiest thing. Brilliant. Right. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the interview now. And my last question is an easy one. I'm putting together a season one playlist and each guest gets to add one song onto it. What is your song of choice? <laughs> you say it's an easy question, mate. When you told me you were going to ask me this, this is the kind of question that stresses me out. Um, but I, I was between two. I was going to go... They're both prodigy songs because I'm a big, big dance music fan. And I just think they kind of created it. It was either No Good Start the Dance or it was Voodoo People. But having had a chat with the lads last night over a game of pool, um, I'm going with the prodigy 
Voodoo People. Prodigy, Voodoo People, great choice. The tracks for the playlist are getting better with each episode. On that note, Dan, thank you for coming on and sharing your journey with me. I wish you all the best for 2024 and beyond. And now I'm going to play you out to your song choice. Take it easy, Dan. Thank you very much for having me, Steve. Pleasure, mate. that's just about it for episode six firstly i'd like to thank hager ireland for sponsoring this week's episode of the overload and as always i'd like to thank my co-hosts keith delahan and both of our guests james carraher and dan mcadam for joining us on the show today if you liked what you heard come back next time for another installment of the overload with keith delahan and i have special guest glenn mcnamara joining us from australia to talk all things working down under So head over to wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to like and follow to be notified when new episodes drop. Take it easy everyone.